everyone and welcome to the Reclaiming Philippine X Identity Podcast. My name is Jasmine and I am the social media manager for Reclaiming Philippine X. For our season 5 episode 9 guest, we have none other than Dr. Hazel Abinsai. Dr. Abinsai is a pediatrician practicing on the island of Oahu and she is also a beloved mentor for many pre-med students like myself and medical students. We hope that you enjoy hearing her story and words of advice. Without further ado, we're going to let our wonderful guests introduce themselves, their profession, career, and if they could describe themselves in a Filipino dish, cuisine, or dessert, what would they be and why? Hi, Chachi. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Dr. Heza Abensai. I am currently a practicing outpatient pediatrician here in Hawaii. I practice in heavy Filipino communities in Eva Beach and Kalihi. A little bit about myself, born and raised in Hawaii. My preferred pronouns are she and her. My parents are immigrants. So everything I've done has been in Hawaii. I'm a first generation. And if I had to describe myself in one food, my favorite dessert is halo-halo. It's very vibrant, very colorful, very sweet. And that's probably me. <laughs> that is awesome. And I see, I see the food personality combining way to who you are, especially. The first time I've met you, you are a really very... The person is right, that accommodates for others and is uh, really hardworking in terms of you really care about the health and education for our community. And I think one of the things that really drawn me to connect and learn more about you is just there's not a lot of Filipino doctors out there that really works with the youth. And so it's really nice to have you especially and for our future pre-med medical students to have someone to, that they can look up to. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think that's part of having been born and raised in Hawaii and having immigrant parents. It's I remember the struggles of what it felt like to be a pre-med without much guidance because my mom didn't do anything with her education at the state. So she couldn't really help me navigate the journey. So I remember the struggles. And so when I came home after training, I decided like, you know, I need to get back true to the Filipino roots of our culture of never forgetting where you came from, right? I needed to give back and help mentor and foster the next generation of doctors. One thing that I want to ask first and foremost before starting is how was your growing up experience like in Hawaii, especially my parents, um, they are from Ilocosor. So they, my, they immigrated here first, my dad, then married my mom, then my mom came over. And then, you know, when we first, when my family first started off, it was, you know, the typical, we started from very low on the, in the world pool. My dad started off, his first job was a restaurant bus boy you know, restaurant stuff. And then he worked his way up to eventually working at a printing shop. 
in Kalihi. So very like, you know, like very blue collar jobs. And then my mother, she was actually a, she was in residency. She was in training in obstetrics gynecology in the Philippines, which means um, that's the field where you deliver babies. So she was actually done with medical school in the Philippines. And then when she immigrated here, she was just in the middle of her training and she thought that she could continue her training, but you know, you can't just do that. You can't just immigrate here, be a doctor in the Philippines and expect to be a doctor in Hawaii. It didn't work that way. So my mom stopped. She like basically was at a loss. She helped my dad with the printing shop. She finally decided to go get her master's in public health. Um, and eventually by the grace of God, she was accepted into residency training in pediatrics in New Jersey. Uh, when I was eight years old. So my mom was gone for about three years when I was eight and my sister was three. And um, that I did a lot of growing up while my mom was gone. But you know, my sister my, and I and my whole family, my dad is one of nine. And here in Hawaii, where mostly is my dad's family, I had a lot of cousins growing up and we mostly grew up in Kalihi. And so Kalihi, of course, is very uh, Filipino culture, very Filipino, um, you know, all of the, there's a lot of Filipinos in Kalihi. So I did never feel really, I never really felt out of place um, with my Filipino heritage because I was basically raised in the Filipino community. Um, my grandma lived with us, so lots of Filipino food at home, lots of Ilocano at home, lots of like scolding us in Ilocano at home. And then when I went to school in Kalihi, which I went to this small little Catholic school called St. Anthony's, I mean, out of like 18, 20 of us, there was only one non-Filipino, right? And so all my classmates were Filipino. So I had no problem embracing my Filipino heritage and being Filipino growing up. I loved it. I embraced it. And then I think it was more so when I started going into high school and in college where there was now less and less Filipinos. And then more so when I went to med school and then when I moved to LA where there's hardly any Filipinos, that's when I started to figure out who I am and what being Filipino meant and how strong my identity was. It really tested how much I truly believed or you know, how comfortable I was with my own skin. But then, you know, at the end of the day, I, I never wavered from being proud to be Filipino. I never forgot how proud I am of how, my, how hard my parents worked to get to where we are now. And because of my parents' is that life that they built from nothing to something, I will never, ever turn away from my Filipino heritage because that ethic of like hard work and never giving up and creating a better life for yourself is the story of my parents. That is really nice to hear, especially coming from you. It really does say so much living in Hawaii, growing up in Hawaii. We are surrounded by so much of our Filipino community that we never feel alone until, like what you mentioned, until we move away from our home to college or med school that we start to begin this questioning our identity because we don't see the same light, same skin color as we do. And especially with how that everything is changing with our generation, I kind of wanted to ask and if you wanted to elaborate about your experience when you moved away for med school with figuring out yourself and your identity because I feel like that plays a strong factor with how everything will turn out to be. Sure. So 
I went to University of Hawaii for undergraduate, and then I actually stayed here in Hawaii for medical school. So I was here in Hawaii for medical school, and then I moved away to Los Angeles to train when I went for residency. So when I went, to, when I moved away, I was actually quite older already. I was already 27, and I was there for, I was 27 years old, and I lived there for about five years. And so by that time, at that, you know, being in your late 20s, I really kind of had a strong sense and um, confidence in who I am as a person already. So I didn't, I didn't really struggle with being Filipino there. I, you know, you go to LA and LA is just another version of a melting pot. Here in Hawaii, it's a lot of Asian melting pot there in the, in LA, it's like a bigger world <laughs> melting pot, a lot of Middle Eastern. I didn't, realize how many different Middle Eastern ethnicities there are. You had the Hispanic population, you had all my Chinese, Japanese, Korean friends, you had the, my Filipino, you know, in my residency program of about how many of where we were like 50 people in my class. Filipino, I think there was only my husband and I. I think we were, I think we were the only two Filipinos in, uh, in residency training in, in my class. There wasn't hardly any, um, but not to say that there aren't Filipinos there. But then where I did struggle with my identity, I think was more, and I think that's probably more reflection of when you're trying to figure who yourself, who you are as you grow up. It was probably more high school and college when we're younger, young adults, because then I went from being raised and being surrounded by Filipinos all the time. And then when I went to high school, all of a sudden Filipinos were a big minority in class, in high school, in my class of about 120 students. And then, you know, a lot of my friends going from, pub, from private schools, little small Catholic private school, they ended up going to public high schools. And then I ended up going to the one little all girls school here in Hawaii, Sacred Hearts Academy. And then you know, I was surrounded by a lot of like Chinese and Japanese, and then they were like the super smart ones in the class. And then Filipinos, there was like a handful of us. And so I really, at that time, had to feel confident in myself as a Filipino that I am as good as them and that I can excel as good as them. And I had to really push myself. And, you know, I, and that was it. And so in high school, in high school, it, excuse me, in college, it was even worse, right? In, high, in college, there was like no Filipinos that I knew that were pre-medical studies. And I didn't have a group of friends that I could cling on to because no one in my high school went to UH and was pre-med. I really would have liked to have had Filipino mentorship because I felt so, I wasn't confident in myself in college as a undergrad. I didn't join the pre-med club because all I saw when I went to their meetings was like Chinese and Japanese and other Asians and, and like no Filipinos in there. And this was it's probably, this was in the early 2000s. Okay. It's very different now. There's a lot of Filipinos in the pre-med club at UH, which, which I'm very happy about. But yeah, so that's when I struggled. But then, you know, I, I, I kept my faith. I didn't let that stop me. Um, and I pushed forward and I'm, I'm happy to be where I am today. There is so much about what you like what you went through especially that kind of makes a lot more sense with what you're doing now with the outreach program mm -hmm. 
what does it mean to reclaim our Filipino identity? I, I really love this question because it really forced me to reflect on how much Filipino I am <laughs> or how not how much Filipino I am, but how much I identify with my Filipino. I've always thought of myself as, you know, I am a Filipino. I'm actually Filipino and part Chinese, but I never identify with my Chinese side. And a lot of people, not a lot of people know that I'm actually like a quarter Chinese. My grand, my maternal grandfather's full Chinese, but I've never identified with my Chinese side because I just was never raised with any of the Chinese aspects or culture. But I've definitely um, been raised with the Filipino side. So being reclaiming Filipino, my Filipino identity heritage, I feel like was first of all, is any part of me not proud or ever ashamed of being Filipino? When I asked myself that question, I, I, you know, I've it's it's definitely a strong like I've always been confident in being a Filipino, and that's just my personality. Like I'm very vocal. I I am very proud to be a Filipino. I think when it comes to reclaiming my Filipino identity, what so I'm actually to me myself and two other of my colleague doctor colleagues I don't know if you know this Chachi but I'm taking Ilocano 101 uh, now 102 as doctors serving the Filipino community a lot of our patients are immigrants right and so language is such a big part of providing great medical care if you can speak there I mean it's one thing to walk in and look Filipino and already they feel at ease and comfortable with you but if you can at least speak the language with them a little bit it, they even feel like more comfortable with you and so myself Dr. Noelani Hobbs Dr. Morel Vera, we're all part of the Philippine Medical Association why they're amazing friends of ours we all signed up when we learned that Maui Community College is doing this online Ilocano class that we could do at our own pace. So we're currently in uh, Ilocano 102. And I think having taken this Ilocano class was part of my reclaiming my Philippinex. I uh, was part of me like submerging myself more in the culture. And Doc, uh, Malang Debbie or Aurelano is our teacher. And she like includes culture of Ilocano cultures, you know, lessons, part of her her lesson plans and so I love that and I also so embracing the culture the language was one thing that I've been doing to reclaim my Filipinx I also I've been meaning to but it's been on my to-do list forever and you know our parents aren't going to be here forever our grandparents aren't going to be forever but I love Filipino food and I can't keep eating at Jollibee not Jollibee but like Max's or or Julie's to get Filipino food. I really should learn how to cook these things. And I really want to pass them on to my son. And so learning all the cultural, the Filipino, the Ilocano like practices, our recipes, our language, all of those kind of things are the things that I want to start working on for myself because I just want to be able to pass them on to my son and let him know that he is Filipino too. And being Filipino does not mean pizza and spaghetti and American dancing. I want him to know what Ilocano dancing looks like. And I want him to learn the Ilocano traditions and values. And so now it's a lot more like me trying to reclaim my Philippine identity so that I can also pass it on to the next generation so it never dies here in America, which I see a lot in my patients, unfortunately, sometimes. My heart kind of felt a little warm as you were talking, doctor, because I didn't, I didn't know that actually is like 
I feel like one of the things if I were uh, Ilocano or Tagalog or Filipino patient is that I would want my doctor to understand where I'm coming from and especially being able to just speak um, the same language as I like I do like patient and doctor really gives that comfort and care like oh they really understand they know what's going on and like what I've always noticed is that when there's Filipino patients and the doctor doesn't understand them it's always a sense of like shame like and when the doctor's like oh you can speak your native tongue it's okay to feel free to voice they're more ashamed too because they feel like they're out outcasted mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. notice a lot of the time in like I feel like pushing a lot of like doctors to to have the compassion and care to learn about the different cultures like especially in Hawaii there's a lot growing population of Filipinos it's like it really brings a lot of reassurance that you don't have to be ashamed you can you can talk you can talk your native tongue like Mm -hmm. it's okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah even though my Ilocano Tagalog is not 100% I always tell them like manong manang ate kuya, just talk to me. We'll work this out. Like <laughs> Taglish, you know, Ilocano English. We always work it out. And if there's ever I don't understand, like if they go into deep Ilocano, or if they really, you know, have a the older the nanas and the tatas, if they really cannot communicate in English at all, and I can't figure it out. Usually I can figure it out, but if I can't. Our staff, they're all Ilocano Tagalog, they're bi- you know, bilingual, Visayan also. I am a big believer in, in language is so important in medical care. There's so much that you can lose in the history, in the, in the story, if they aren't able to communicate it comfortably in their own language because of that language barrier. So one of the things that we're doing is um, with the current medical students at Jabsum at the medical school here in Hawaii, our first year Filipino students actually, first year medical students actually asked us like, hey, Dr. Abinsai, could you guys have a panel where you talk about caring for the Filipino patient? And it's not meant for just the Filipino med students, it's meant for all of the med students at Jabsum who are Japanese, Chinese, Korean, um, Caucasian, you know, all the different backgrounds. And then they want us to educate them and give them insight on like what little, the little like quirks of our, of our culture that they can carry and pass on to when they see their Filipino patients, right? So then they want to know words like manong, manang, tata, nana. They want to know like suck it. And then they want to learn like a little bit of body parts so that they can even though they don't look Filipino, they can at least speak a little bit. And then having that little bit of like, nana, sa auntie, sakit, y- sakit mo, you know, like, sakit ibuksit mo, you know. Even though they might not understand the answer, the, the fact that they're trying to speak the language to their patients, I, I know will make, will go far with the Filipino patients. So I really love that. So for the young ones out there that are listening, you know, if you are not fluent in Ilocano or Tagalog or Visayan, but you have parents at home, or if you have the opportunity to learn them at school, embrace that, really embrace that. And then you'll realize down the world, don't be in your 30s right now and wishing you learned Ilocano with your grandma when you were like, 
you know I really wish I I took the time more to make a better effort to embrace my language growing up and and with the thing that you're doing now Dr. Vincent I feel like there is no age limit to learning our language and I say this with with terrified because I remember like a, a story is like one of the nurses actually asked me to translate and then he's just like oh I wish I can speak Ilocano but it's too late now and I wanted to oh. say right there that it's not too late you can still learn and like what you're doing Dr. Bensai like taking the initiative to like learn the language and like just continuing that is truly a really collective work and like I'm I'm really proud of like what you're doing it's really causing a ripple effect to future health professionals thank you <laughs> a lot of it is more for me I really wish I could speak Ilocano with my grandma in the Philippines when I zoom with her you know and my grandma's hard of hearing now so it'd be easier for me to yell in Ilocano than English so I don't have to deal with the hearing loss plus the language barrier I could just do it with the hearing loss part but yeah I enjoy it I narigat una iti Ilocano Ilocano is a lot harder when you get down to like the the linguistics of it all but it's been a lot of fun and I think with with the with your, with Manang Debra as well she's a really great professor because being because meeting her last year um through the conference she she's a She's a really great person to learn from, and like I'm, re- that, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Along with that, and to more transition is, where do you see yourself in the next ten years from now? So ten years from now, Chachi, I'll be in my, da 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 da. I'll be in like my about to turn fifty. Surprise! <laughs> I don't know if you believe that or not, but I have a lot of plans. You know, I. My passion, I have a lot of passions, but I have this dream that we're gonna refill the amount of Filipino doctors here in Hawaii. I don't know if a lot of our listeners know, but currently, you know, Filipinos make up 20, 25% of the population in Hawaii. But yet when you look at the doctor pool in Hawaii, Filipino doctors, I don't know where this number came from, but the number that keeps popping up is 5%. We're only 5% of the doctors in Hawaii. So there's this huge disparity in the Filipino representation in the medical physician community. Nurses community, we're fine, right? But in the doctor community, there's a disparity. And then again, it goes back to the language and the feeling comfortable and um, being able to treat your patients once they see someone that looks like them walks into the room. And we have immigrant Filipino immigrants coming all the time. So that the influx of the Filipinos um, is never going to end. So in 10 years, with what I'm doing today with mentoring the young Filipino pre-medical students, um, mentoring our medical students, at some point, I, had, I haven't figured it how, but we also want to start reaching out to the high school students, but definitely one step at a time. I hope to see in 10 years that we're going to have this like surge of young Filipino physicians, local born or immigrated, just immigrated when they were teenagers and help we help them become doctors. And now they're going to be the ones taking care of me, taking care of my family, taking care of the next generation of Filipino immigrants. 
so that's where I that's what I hope to see in 10 years and then I hope that all of these students that we're mentoring now are going to come back and give back right every time I talk to my pre-meds I was like you know don't forget where you came from and always when you guys reach become doctors please come back and mentor the next generation below you and so I hope to see them mentoring also and kind of just like continuing this legacy that we're building here. I do, so part of, so Philippine Medical Association of Hawaii, uh, it's a nonprofit organization of Filipino doc, Filipino and non-Filipino doctors here in Hawaii, but all with the heart to care for the Filipino patients. Pre-COVID, we used to have medical missions to the Philippines too. They go and do medical missions once or twice a year. They go to like four or five cities in the Philippines, bring all kinds of doctors with them, free medicine with them. And so I did a medical mission once when I was a pre-med and I haven't been able to go back. And that is definitely something that I want to do when I get, when all this COVID stuff happens and they pick up again is I want to go back and do medical missions and bring my son, bring a couple pre-meds with us, show them what no access to care looks like and how privileged we are to live in America. And yeah, that's where I hope to be, Chachi. Still mentoring. <laughs> it's not going to really change. But hopefully in a bigger scale. I'm really hoping and I feel like I have so much hope because looking at where things are now and especially with a really intelligent and bright pre-med student that is working with us in PMEH and also the the new launch of the PPMH that is going to be a start of like really great things to come. Yeah, can for... I just plug can I just plug that Chachi for the ones who are listening who don't know about it? Yes. So, okay, okay. So in 2020 we launched PMH outreach, right? And so what happened was Filipino doctors here in Hawaii, we're in our 30s, we're in our 40s, we're in our 50s, we're like not techie at all. And so in Hawaii during summer 2020, during COVID, that's when all of the Filipinos were dying. All of a sudden, Filipinos was like the number one ethnicity dying from COVID in here. But at the same time, if you look at another graph, which ethnicity, or excuse me, which age group had the highest amount of cases of COVID? It was the young adults. It was the 18 to 35. So then our thought was like, okay, so the young adults are getting it and somehow they must be passing it on to their like elders at home. And they were the ones dying as a byproduct of that. And so as PMAH, we were like, how do we reach out to the young adults to do public service announcements, PSAs, to help them get them on board with us to like help protect our nanas and tatas. And that's how Outreach was born. Outreach is basically a, a group of young Filipino adult, young Filipino adults who want to pursue medicine, helping us create TikToks and Instagram memes and all of this like your younger generation thing that speak to your generation and trying to like spread awareness. And so that has been amazing. And so one of the things that came out of that was meeting such amazing, young, bright Filipinos who have such a great heart and, and intelligent and motivated and so caring. And Chachi, you're one of them. Well, obviously, I am so impressed and I'm so proud of this. I have no idea how you're even doing this podcast, but you guys are so amazing. And so um, 
one of a couple of our students, you know, I've always shared with them, like, man, I just wish we could somehow create a Filipino pre-med club because it's so important to find community. Finding support in people who understand your struggles, finding support in a community that is not judgmental and it's nothing but supported, it's nothing but surrounded with love and caring and all we want is the best for each other where we are open with our ups in lives and we're still open with our downs in lives and that no matter what we're there for each other right so I've always wanted to create that for our Filipino pre-meds and that's what PPMH is so the Philippine Pre-Med Association of Hawaii was created just very recently by a couple of our pre-med students to be kind of like a support group and to be in connection with us, with the Filipino doctors to provide mentoring. And so if you are interested in joining and you're listening, you can follow us on Instagram, ppmah.premed. So follow them on Instagram. And then they also have a Facebook page with the same handle. And then one of the posts, gives you a, a registration Google Docs so that you can join and then you can receive notifications, emails, whatever it is that this amazing group is doing um, to connect you with our great community. I'm actually on the first time I'm actually visited the website today and I'm really kind of I'm really also really proud at the at what is created and born because they are really talented and bright individuals and i there is so much hope for the next generation especially i feel like they really learn so much from you and from the other pmh doctors um there it it's the narratives of not being ashamed of our culture yeah so Chachi, one of the things that I've noticed after working with this group of students, you know, back in the days, back in the days, <laughs> makes me sound so old. You know, when I was at UH, University of Hawaii, you only majored in your in your major, right? So then I did mm -hmm. biology. But now that I'm meeting all of you, you guys are made, you're all double majoring. You guys are all double majoring in your passions. Plus, you all are embracing your Filipino culture. You're all major like double majoring or mining in Ilocano, um, Filipino, Tagalog and I think that's that's amazing and I wish I did that <laughs> when I was younger and this generation you know back in the days you know I understand like being ashamed of our culture because of our accent right we get teased like our accent is so thick or our food smells so stinky or, you know, getting shamed for our dark skin, being brown and what that means. But now with this generation, I'm just so happy to see that you all this, you're embracing that and you're loving it and you're spreading awareness to others and seeing all these social posts about spreading like more about our culture to other people. It's been really nice to see. Um, and I really hope that continues with the future generations that there's nothing to be ashamed of. We are hardworking Filipinos. We are, we love our families. You know, we, we are passionate and we don't complain. We, we're great workers. Um, we're not, definitely not lazy. And, and if you give a Filipino the right resources, 
and access to skills or whatnot, they can do whatever you, you want. We are very much, we are very capable. So be proud, be very proud of your, your culture, your heritage and who you are. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Definitely Dr. Vincent. And I feel like the more that I talk to you is like the more I see that there, all of the things that you've done is truly reflected a lot of great things that is really is a lot of blossoming, a lot of great opportunities for future generation because long history wise is there's just a lot of when high school when a high school senior graduates they move away from home and because of family personal issues that they don't want to go back home but just the the rise of our continued support and all of these resources that you guys bring out will truly kind of connect with a lot of the high school students that we have those resources here and you don't have to be you don't have to go out into another um the continental us to start it you can continue it where you are and i feel <laughs> like we are in a really great spot especially yeah. with the the motivations yeah mm. i'm i'm a i'm a big believe in role models yeah um like I said, when I was younger, I didn't have any Filipino pre-medical students to go on this journey with. So I felt alone. I felt and that disparity of being a Filipino pre-med. I really felt that in, in, high, in college because I, I just there was no one else that looked like me. But for the students out there, high school students and with what you folks are doing, you know, I just want you to know that there's def if you want to become a doctor and you are Filipino, you can do it. Like, as much as I love our nurses, right? That's why so many Filipinos go into nursing because we know so many nurses. And so we see that it's possible. And so we think like, yeah, that's a very safe, comfortable, I can, I can, I can pursue that. But not a lot of us have Filipino mentors or have a Filipino doctor in their lives. So therefore it seems a lot more difficult and a lot more unattainable and reachable, but we are here. We are present. We are here for you. And we have our students under us who are like, you know, juniors, seniors, gap years who can definitely mentor our high school students who are coming out of college and now are going to be first year, second year, then let them know like, this is, hey, this, you want to become a doctor? This is what you need to do. So there's resources, we're here. You don't have to go away. We definitely need more doctors here in Hawaii. So yeah. <laughs> and to continue with the conversation is, and I know you've been giving a lot of great, great advice, but if you could give one main advice to the future generation, and one thing that they could take away just from listening, because I know they'll take away a lot, but just one <laughs> advice that you wish you could have given yourself when you were younger that you, you wanted to now pass it on to your future children or the next generation. So one of the things that I definitely felt in um, college was I was limiting myself because I was so what's the right word for this? I was so intimidated. I was not comfortable. And I think part of this is Filipino. We're not pushy people. We're not necessarily like 
in your face go getters we have this like i don't want to bother you mentality right i'm sorry i don't want to bother you i'll just leave you alone but if you um if you are driven and you have a dream and you have a goal in life okay you have to come out of that comfort zone of not wanting to bother people you, you have to bother people honestly <laughs> you have to be proactive you have to kind of you have to make yourself known in there in the world like hey i am here i am motivated i am willing to learn pick me you know pick me because i will make you proud and i want this so that means going up to the lecturer after hearing a, you know, hearing a great lecture person that really inspired you, like, hey, Dr. So-and-so, hey, Mr. and Mrs., you know, thank you so much for coming and sharing your time with us. I was really, I really enjoyed your talk. Is there ever an opportunity that I could, like, follow you or shadow you or in any capacity be involved with what you're doing? Please let me know, you know, like, going up and, like, presenting yourself and being forward is okay. And so, don't fear rejection is probably my next one. Rejection is the only way you're gonna create opportunities for yourself, create opportunities for yourself. For every like 10 rejections, you're gonna get one amazing opportunity. For no attempts, no rejections, you're gonna get no opportunities, right? And so that's how we grow, that's how we learn, and that's how we get through this crazy world and life. And learning how to deal with rejection and not taking it personally and taking it as um, lessons on how to better yourself is one of the other things that you can take away from this. So be forward, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to create opportunities for yourself. Get, you know, my favorite, my favorite line is if you are the best person in a room, you are in the wrong room. Okay. If you are in a room where you're like the suckiest and everyone else is better than you, that's the right room because then these people are where you want to strive to be and they will teach you how to achieve the next level of life. And so I love throwing myself in rooms with people who I feel like I can learn new things from. Yeah. And I, that's why I tell my pre-meds, like, throw yourself into uncomfortable situations because out of that discomfort is going to come a lot of growth. If you're in a place where you're comfortable, there's no growth that's going to happen there. But by being in an uncomfortable position, you're pushing yourself and you're going to surprise yourself and be this better person at the end of the day by, by doing that, okay? Have you ever had that rejection that helped you to get to where you are today? I, I think it's more bigger picture looking back at it. It's how much I didn't believe in myself when I was younger. That's probably where I would have gone back and told myself, you need to shape up and you need to do better. And not that I don't regret it, but in terms of rejection, I feel like I really limited myself when I was younger because I was so uncomfortable um, in, my, in my abilities and not confident. Looking back, I don't want you guys to do that. <laughs> but not that I, you know, I just want, I want you guys to um, don't make the same mistakes I did. All in all, I am just really appreciative of having you and having to really have the conversation and really get to know about your story because out of everything that you went through, you truly drive for.
greatness, especially because I know in the road, there's it's not linear, that we all have our bumps in the road. And through it all, we, you came out of it really strong and wanting to help those and provide like a leverage and like a step for the next generation to come. And if I can take away one thing that I've learned from hearing your story, Doctor, is the the thing you mentioned about if you were the best person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And if you're the sexiest person in the room, then you're in the right room. Because most of the time, and I feel like a lot of our listeners can relate to this is that I feel like that's where we are right now. And that's the trajectory of, am I in the right room or not in the right room? And that's where we start to kind of question if we are in the right majors, we're in the right fields, especially because in high school, the question we are always asked is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wish the question was, what do you want to do instead? Like, what are you passionate for? And really striving the growth. Because I feel like as the generation is changing, it's like we need to continue to be able to not limit ourselves, but to strive for anything that we set our mind Absolutely, Chachi. I hope that we can do that, you know, um, that there's, a, and I know I'm a doctor, but I hope that we can teach the younger Filipinos that you can do anything you want. You don't have to become a nurse. You don't have to become a doctor. You don't have to become a lawyer. Everything that I know, your, I know our parents want us to be like, have a good job, be secure when we're older. And it's okay to pursue those things. But if you have a passion on the side, it's okay to pursue that also it's it's good for your soul it's good for your mental health (laughs) to to wake up every day knowing that you're doing something that you love that's very important and one thing to i guess close is like to really have like this open space because i actually finished all my questions but i wanted to follow up in um the conversation that we had is and because you have a little wide. Um, what is one thing that you want to tell your son when he grows up? And hopefully, we'll listen to this podcast. I, and I thought oh, that was a really my funny son question. Max. Oh, okay. So I have a son. Max. To end it he's three years old. He's three years old. He's our only child um, between my husband and I. And so, Max, when you're older, Baba, I. Um, Oh, you're going to make me cry, Chachi. There's so much I want to tell him. <laughs> you know, we just, we love you for who you are. And we just want the best for you. We don't, mommy and daddy don't want you necessarily become us, right? And we, your grandma and grandpa struggled so hard so that we could have this life that we have now, which is amazing life. And it's all thanks to them. And I never want you to forget that. Never forget that. And always come back always come back to your family and your roots and and your Filipino heritage and you we are blessed we are a very blessed family and um be a good person (laughs) please be a good person (laughs) 
uh, we, we joke about that all the time. Like, oh my God, what happens if he becomes this when he gets older, um, when you watch the news? But we're trying our best to raise you to be a great person, a great man. So yeah, so just, you don't have to necessarily make us proud, but just do something that you love every day. And just don't remember where your family came from. That was really beautiful, and I wish, and I'm like, I, I wish I can give you virtual, I'm giving you virtual hugs right now, but. Chachi, just, what the heck? How did you do that? <laughs> I, I wanted to end off with a little, you know, like a diary, just because it, time moves so fast, and like, one of the mm -hmm. biggest thing is to really, like, reflect on, like, what can what can I tell my my future children? Especially if they yeah. were to find this episode, like mm -hmm. how, I want them to like see like how I wonder how mommy was like, and like <laughs> that is like, and to really hear um all of the amazing things that you and your husband are doing, I really feel like, and I really I really know that your your child is really lucky to have such great and understanding and compassionate parents who are doing so much for the community and I feel like with everything that's happening that's that will this will create like a, a huge amount of ripple effect that will inspire a lot and I hope so Tati <laughs> and with I that said so. I conclude the podcast and I really thank you for your time today and also if you wanted to I know you kind of plugged in in like the middle but if you wanted to share a little bit more um an extra plug-in um for the audience like that you don't know about me yet um this is uh one last chance pmah-hawaii.org backslash mentorship if you are a pre-medical student and you want more resources and pointing you in the right direction if you don't really have anyone in your life that's kind of telling you where to go i am uh, I will be doing a webinar next week on April 20, it's a Thursday, 27 or 29, and we'll be recording it. It will be recording it and it will be on the website. It's called Road to Medicine. And basically I'll be sharing to pre-medical students like what the road looks like and then what they need to know. Amazingly, when I meet a lot of pre-medical students who are older, they didn't know a lot of things they didn't know they needed to get a good GPA at this level or they didn't know what a good MCAT score was so if you don't know any of that information and you would like to know it um go and visit that page yes and this podcast will actually be here next week okay uh, <laughs> before the date so perfect time oh, on Monday okay, great. okay. So that's all the time we have and I'm gonna stop this thank you And that's a wrap on Season 5, Episode 9 for our Season 5 narrative story on Dr. Hazel Abinsai. One thing that I have taken away from our insightful conversation would have to be the very last thing that she shared, especially from her advice to the next generation, which was picture yourself in a room with people who are better than you and the moment that she said that I had so much chicken skin all over me because that is something that we 
are struggling with especially because when it comes to being in a room we always want to strive on our own we always want to just walk and we never try to ask for help but in the scenario that she gave us it's really telling us and really incorporating that bayanihan and that kapwa spirit of our Filipino value of don't be afraid to just ask for help. Don't be afraid to let others be better than you, especially because you are not striving for perfection, but you are striving for imperfection. And as someone who can be a perfectionist we always want things to go right on the first try but sometimes when we do that we expect disappointment and the best advice is don't expect anything higher than what you already want expect nothing less and expect that everything will go the way it should be with no expectation but high expectation if you know what I mean but with that said I am really loving all of the conversations that we've been having for the season 5 from Ellen Ray to Manong Dean to Tita Pia, to Adam, to Lance, to Manong Calvin, to Kenneth, and now Dr. Bensai. There has been so much that they have given us or shared that is going to be kept for us as a little trinkle or tricket for us to thrive on and as we go to our next episode in the next week i am so excited for what is in store for our final episode for season five and with that said don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Reclaiming Philippinex Identity and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Reclaiming Philippinex Identity, where you can watch our cuentos with different guests from different areas in the world. And if you're interested in sharing your story, feel free to email us and DM us on Instagram and we'll let you know how you can share your story. Without further said, thank you so much for your support always and stay tuned for our final episode with our one and only special guest. Everyone is special but this last guest on season 5 is someone worth the wait. Akikita tayo manen! Bye!